And I believe there's no better way to end this series with our subject today called the Born Again Process. So after nine weeks, we have spoken about who the Holy Spirit is and about the Spiritful Church. And we are going to speak this morning about the Born Again Process. So if you have your Bible just or your electronic device, your Bible on your electronic device, just turn with us to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We will be reading from verse 38 to verse 39. Acts chapter 2. And I know we have been dealing with the book of Acts a lot this last few weeks. Acts chapter 2 from verse 38 to verse 39. That will be the basis of our scripture today. If you have it, just say amen. amen. The word of God declares, and I'm reading from the ESV. The word of God declares, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit Amen. for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What a beautiful Amen. scripture. Amen. God bless the reading of his word. <clears throat> now I said the subject is the born again process. And I believe by now we are already used to teaching. And we are speaking about the born again process. But before we get into the specific text. I'm going to run through a few things that we have established the last few weeks. I think it will only be fair if I do that. So, so we have established the last few weeks publicly that the Holy Spirit is God. Yes. That the Holy Spirit is not it, but we refer to the Holy Spirit as Him. Amen. So we have established that the Holy Spirit is God. We said that the Holy Spirit is God. We said that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one in essence, but distinct in role or function. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one in essence, but distinct in function or role. So that was our foundation phase of this series. And it was critical, critical for us to understand that the Holy Spirit himself is God. What a beautiful revelation. Because that encourages us to know that when Jesus said, he will not only abide with you, but he will abide in you. So that is literally God himself abiding in you. So although Jesus ascended into the heavens, although he left, he's still here and he's abiding in me. Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one in essence, but distinct in 
function or role. And when we said that they are distinct in role, this is what we refer to. We established this specific revelation through the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. Remember that? We spoke about the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. And I would advise you if you want to just, if you are taking notes, you can make notes of all these scriptures that we are referring to so you can do your personal Bible study so you don't think I am lying to you. <laughs> but that you do your own personal Bible study and you do your own personal follow-up for your personal growth. So we establish this through the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, we picked up the Father expressed His delight in the Son. Remember what the Father said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then we also picked up that the Son Himself offering Himself to be baptized by John, so that what may happen, so that all righteousness may be permitted. Remember John said to him, I need to be baptized by you. And he said to him, in other words, and I'm paraphrasing, this needs to happen. And then we have the Holy Spirit in the same text, anointing the Son for the work of ministry. So in that specific text, we saw that one in essence, but distinct in role. And since we understand that the Holy Spirit is God and that He anointed Jesus for the work of ministry, we also understand that the same process of baptism is critical for our salvation. I, I think I need to say that again. And since the Holy Spirit anointing Jesus for the work of ministry, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it is critical for us to understand that we ourselves need to go through the same process in context of our personal salvation. In other words, Jesus himself respected the process of baptism. And if he did so, so should we. Amen. So remember that, that one of the most important kingdom principles that Jesus established with his leadership, with his leadership team before he would take up his cross, was the teaching of enmity between the world and his followers. Remember Jesus at one point made it clear, he said to them that if I was persecuted, so will you. If the world hated me, they will also hate you. So, so Jesus established a very important principle here. He established a kingdom principle that declares, if I went, it, if I went through it, so will you. That is very important. If any man wants to come after me, he must first deny himself. Do what? Take up his cross. So, so if the process that I follow will be the same process that you will follow. You see, Jesus needed his leadership team to understand. And when I say leadership team, I'm referring to the apostles. He needed them to understand that they were not exempt 
from the challenges and the processes that he himself faced. Which tells us that, that we are also not exempt from those processes and those challenges. And therefore, the baptism that Jesus received, being anointed for the work of ministry through the Holy Spirit, would be the same work that he promised those same apostles in Acts chapter 1. So since you guys have to take up the cross and follow me, with the same process, you will also need to follow the same process that I followed with John in the wilderness. So when he spoke to them in Acts chapter 1, he declared to them that not many days from now, you will also be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember, he himself was anointed by the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. So in other words, the same Holy Spirit who descended on Jesus like a dove would come upon the apostles and the church after the ascension of Christ. So we need the Holy Spirit more than we thought. You see, too long in certain church setups too long in our personal spaces, in our personal lives, has the Holy Spirit been the third wheel. <laughs> and remember, we, we mentioned at one specific point in our, in our foundation text, when we spoke about the Holy Spirit being God, we mentioned because He was mentioned third, Father, Son and Holy Spirit by Jesus, when Jesus spoke about the Great Commission, did not mean He was the least of the Godhead. So, so we need to realize we need the Holy Spirit more than we thought. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. Jesus said when He spoke about Himself as the true vine. You see, our choices in, in our ministries, our houses, our relationships, our workplaces, our businesses will be disastrous without the counsel of the Holy Spirit. We need Him more than we thought. The reason why our houses are falling apart is because of lack of counsel through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that I will send Him, He will be a counselor unto the church and yet the church treats him as the third wheel and he is the most critical part in the church today we need him more than we thought you see negotiating about receiving him is not an option <laughs> if you want to succeed in the born again life or in the christian life Receiving him is not an option. He is the counselor. And our houses and our families will continue to fall apart unless the counselor is not present. And when I say present, I'm not only referring to a space, and we're going to talk about that later. I'm not only referring to a space. I'm, I'm referring to this. Yes, 
Remember what we it, we we intentionally worship this morning and said it's not a building you want to fill. It's our hearts. Yes. That's what you wanted all along. I love what Maverick says. That's what you wanted all along. Now, now I said that he was promised to the church in Acts chapter 1. Jesus also ascended in, into heaven after he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit before they take on their personal mandate. Very critical. <laughs> you see, Jesus followed the same process. Before he would start ministry, the Holy Spirit would come upon him like a dove. Amen. And he says to his apostles, do not go until he comes. Yeah. Before you start and carry out the personal mandate that I've given you to go to the ends of the earth, you wait until you receive him. And then in Acts chapter 2, we witness both the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. Very beautiful. Spirit, the church, born. The, the Holy Spirit filled not only the upper room, and this is what I wanted to say when I spoke about space. The Holy Spirit filled not only the upper room, he filled the apostles. Yeah. Let me say that again. You see, we, we got so accustomed to inviting him into a building yeah. when we pray. Lord, be with us in our presence, in our midst. You see, we were supposed to come with him. <laughs> because when he filled the upper room, he was not only there to reside in the building, but he came to fill the apostles. So when they left the upper room, they left with him. Amen. <laughs> So they moved with him, which is a beautiful thing and a beautiful revelation. Because the Spirit of the Lord says, when I dwell in you, wherever you find yourself, people will be in church. <laughs> and now you get the picture. Then you will be the light of the world and the soul of the earth. You see, it's easy to make such statements. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. But I'm saying to you, unless the spirit abides in you, and not only with you, you, you cannot become the salt of the earth in the light of the world. You see, we should invite God more into personal temples <laughs> before we invite Him into buildings. We will have less issues in the church the church will always have conflict because conflict is normal it's different people coming into one space but let me tell you we will have less conflict that grows into hatred in the church if we if we invite him into personal temples and that not only into building spaces And therefore, for years we had people opening services in word of prayer and they could not even greet someone because they hated each other at the door 
And because of our traditional systematic formula that we have discovered, we would call the specific person to come and open the service in a word of prayer and it would grieve the other one who's sitting in the pew and say, listen to him or her praying however <laughs> this morning we, we couldn't even connect with one another you see unless he abides in you the space doesn't matter you see if we understand this we will understand that wherever we find ourselves people will be in judge you will move into your workplace and lives will be changed. Amen. You will move into certain spaces and lives will be changed. But we got accustomed into moving into spaces, becoming just like the world, because He's not abiding in us. <laughs> Let me tell you, if He abides in us, those outside cannot help but seek Him. But if he doesn't abide in us, we become like the world. And we cannot give what we don't have to the world. See, when the Holy Spirit occupies you, you, con you are confident and you conf confidently know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You will no longer just make that statement, but you will live in context of that scripture. Now, after they, the apostles have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we also witness what I said, the birth of the church. We also witness the birth of the church. And regarding the birth of the church, that is where our specific text that we read this morning, that is where it comes in. Because Peter preached to the people around there regarding the promise, especially to the Jews. He preached to them regarding the promise of the Holy Spirit through one of the minor prophetic books called Joel. Yes, amen. Now let me now let me clarify something quickly to those who are watching online as well. Let me clarify something quickly before we move on. I, I said minor prophetic book called Joel. Let me clarify this concept of major and minor prophets. Because I hear a lot of so-called prophets or new prophets of today call themselves major prophets. Now let's clarify that context quickly. Major one. The theological concept of major and minor prophets has nothing to do with the rank of a man. You see, where the Spirit of God is, there's humility. Amen. Hmm? I'm going to say it again. <laughs> the theological concept of major and minor prophets has nothing to do with the rank of a man. It constitutes the amount of work contributed to the biblical canon. 
by a specific prophet. In other words, since Isaiah's book, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Daniel, major prophets, since these books are more extensive in content than the other prophets, we are calling them major prophets. It has nothing to do. Isaiah was never a major prophet by rank. It has to do with the amount of work that he put into the canon of our biblical content. So, because the other prophets wrote smaller compositions, it is called minor prophetic books, minor prophets. So there's no such thing as major one. <laughs> there's no... <laughs> if you have, to those who are watching online, if you have that bent on your arm right now, say major one, cut it off now. There's no such thing as major one. <laughs> or major two or major three. <laughs> But let's continue after we clarify that concept. So Peter preached from one of our minor prophetic books called Joel regarding the promise of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Word of God states that after Peter preached about the promise of the Holy Spirit and the Messianic fulfillment, the people were cut. The Bible says they were cut to the heart through the word of God. Not these modern day sermons that tickles the ear. They were cut to the heart. They asked them a question after the sermon went into their hearts. They asked the apostles a question after the spirit-filled word that they had received. And that question is, what shall we do after Peter preached about the promise of the Holy Spirit and the fulfillment thereof and the fulfillment of Jesus being the Christ? What shall we do, they ask. Sounds a little like Nicodemus. <laughs> the Bible is a beautiful thing. How can a man be born when he is old, Jesus? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered Nicodemus and said to him, Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And listen how Peter answered these people. The crowd parallel to the specific text where Jesus said unless one is born of water in the spirit let's look at it has so much in common Peter gave what I call the born again process now in the church what we have done 
because of certain dogmas and certain Paul calls it self-imposed religion in Colossians you can go and read about it self-imposed religion what we have done is we have said to people be ready before you come be right with the Christ before you find the Christ and that is self-righteousness so Peter gives a plain and simple process to the world Peter said to them the text that we read repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit now Peter expresses the process with regards to three factors that we need to keep in mind those three, fact three factors are repentance baptism and infilling of the Holy Spirit repentance baptism and infilling of the Holy Spirit so one repentance repentance means renewing or changing the mind renewing or changing the mind and to humble yourself before God you see this part of the process is where you ponder on two things who Jesus really is to you and how he gave himself for you sacrificially you see this is the stage where you humble yourself and make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life repentance here is where you realize that there is no other name in which a person can be saved this is where you realize you can no longer be Lord over your own life but you submit under the Lordship of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior simple there is repentance giving yourself to Christ completely saying no longer my will but your will be done in my life and then Peter says and since you have done that now you have repented and given yourself to the Christ and surrendered your life unto him the second thing now is be baptized all of you in the name of Christ you see this is the part where you are being immersed in water this is your restoration phase ah what a beautiful thing you see for years we've heard that this is just a symbol to me it's no longer a symbol but this is your restoration phase of the process it is your transition from being spiritually dead to becoming spiritually alive so you transition from the old man to the new man and therefore Paul says anyone who is in Christ Jesus he is 
a new creature, he's a new being. So you transition from the old to the new. And then the third part is what Paul, what Peter says, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the promise, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And this is where Jesus also comes and he walks in and he also takes you and he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit in fire. This infilling of the Holy Spirit comes with advantages. Remember, it is to your advantage that I go away. So that the comforter may come. And when he comes, he will teach you all things. He will convict you. He will convict the world of sin. You see, this is the part where you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you receive the advantages that comes with Him. That is empowering your spiritual life by carrying the fruit that reflects Christ. And what do we call that fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. So when you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you become like Christ. He conforms your character and your image to the Christ. But it also comes with another advantage, and that is being anointed. Just as Jesus for the work of ministry. And John, the, the Apostle John, declares that this process is as consistent as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. This specific process, repentance, baptism with water, repent, water, and infilling of the Holy Spirit is as consistent in process as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can prove that biblically. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. When, it's, when he says the Word, it is Jesus. And these three are one. And then he says in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness within on earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. The blood, repentance, water, and the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, what we need to understand about this process is the whole process is supported by faith. It's governed by faith. Hey, we saw Mabuzas into the faith series. This whole process is governed by faith. Faith to believe in Jesus by accepting Him as Lord and Savior. Faith to be restored spiritually through water baptism. And faith to receive the Holy Spirit. To abide in you. Most of us has not received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because we went through the water without faith. Most of us are turning around after repentance. Because we have not moved in by faith. And after that, it starts feeling like works. <laughs> now you have to work to look holy. 
and it becomes a burden. Later on, it may work for you in the beginning. You will tell everybody about Christ. Yeah, no, I don't drink anymore, bruh. But later on, ah, it will get to you, then it becomes heavy. So the whole process is governed by faith. For the just shall live by And therefore, being born again is not a process governed by works and self-righteousness. But it is governed by faith. You see, sinners coming to Jesus after they fix themselves, it's not the process. I came for the lost. Amen. Not for those who are found already. Those who are not in need of the physician. It's fine. Self-righteousness. But those who are in need of me, I'm here. You see, you don't come to Christ being ready, but you come to Him so He can fix you. So He can restore you. He can change you. And that is the process. Peter says, it's simple. Whatever dogma they said to you and whatever works they have placed on you, he says, it's simple. Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that makes us holy. We cannot be holy in our own capacity. And I'm, I'm concluding by saying, Verse 39 of Acts chapter 2. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The promise is not for certain people, but it's for everyone. But it is determined based on the fact that we move by faith. Stop trying to be perfect before you come to the one that needs to perfect you. It's a simple process. No longer in the church can we allow people to feel like they need to be ready before they come to Jesus. 